We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to episode 508. Talk about Flow Podcast. Part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very, very much for locking in. And uh, I'll tell you what, and hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have noticed this. This is the first podcast episode that we've done since November 22nd. 12 days, no podcast. Far and away, this has been uh, the longest podcast episode drought that I've had in nearly five years now of doing this show. So two weeks ago, not last week, the week before that, did not have an episode because of Thanksgiving. It was the holiday. I wanted to just take that Friday off, um, enjoy it with the family, of course, relish a, a big Buffalo Bills win at the time over the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. And I plan on getting back to business last week. Normally on this show, we have episodes on Tuesdays and Fridays. So uh, the aim was last week to get back to normal. Again, Tuesday, Friday, sometimes we do a a bonus Wednesday episode or whatever. But what had happened was last Sunday, I started, uh, started getting sick again, which is the second time now in six weeks this happened. Um, The first time I got sick, I was just really bad headaches and I was very feverish. And it turned out I had COPD exasperation. Basically what that is, is uh, I already have had COPD for over a decade now. And every now and then I just get this like attack on my COPD and it just makes it a lot worse. That was about six weeks ago. And again, the symptoms were just really bad headaches and uh and a fever. And that shut me down for a handful of days. I took some antibiotics, some steroids, and I, and I felt better. Anyway, that Sunday, two weeks ago, completely different symptoms. I was, uh, my chest was congested. I, I, I couldn't breathe well. Shortness of breath, um, chest cold, back pain. It was, it was really bad. So on Monday, I reached out to uh, Joe Yurden because Joe and I do the show every Tuesday. He's my guest every week on Tuesdays. And typically we tape sometime early Monday afternoon. Anyway, I just told him, I said, man, I'm really, I'm feeling sick again. I I can't do this right now. And 
Let's see how I feel in a couple hours. Well, a couple hours turned into several hours and I just kept feeling uh, worse and worse, man. And the shortness of breath was concerning me a lot. So long story short, that Monday last week, I ended up at uh, urgent care or immediate care, one of those places. And they took a chest x-ray and examined me. And uh, for a second time, like I said, COPD exasperation. And uh, the next day, last Tuesday, I ended up going to a pulmonologist, which is the first time I've had a, a pulmonology appointment, quite frankly, in like eight years. And again, I've had COPD. I've been living with this now for over a decade. And for the most part, just doing some breathing exercises along with some medications and, and you know, just some limits on what I can and can't do. I'm able to manage it relatively pretty well. And it certainly doesn't have much of an effect on me when I'm sitting down speaking and having conversations now my days of running marathons or even running around the block for that matter. Those are, are long gone, but I'm perfectly under normal circumstances. I'm, I'm perfectly capable of uh, sitting down and having a conversation, which is, you know, a big reason why I love doing this podcast so much. Anyway, uh, I go to the pulmonologist and they give me some stronger medications. Again, examine me, take a check, chest X-ray and all that stuff. And, uh, my lungs just, uh, I didn't have it last week, man. I didn't have the lung capacity to be able to, to do a full podcast, even just sitting down talking. I was completely short of breath and it really sucked. It was hard because like mentally I felt perfectly fine. Like my mind felt great. My Twitter fingers felt great. I was tweeting up a storm. I was on Facebook a lot. Um, a lot going on with sports. Of course, the bills played on Thursday night, beat the New England Patriots. I wanted to do a podcast so bad. So much to talk about uh, with that game. But anyway, at the end of the day, just for, for that week, I just, I didn't have the lung capacity, the, the breath to be able to to sit down and, and talk for more than a couple minutes at a time. So I had to shut down the podcast all of last week. So now, like I said, it's been 12 days and uh, I feel pretty good now. So unfortunately for you guys, my, my lungs are better. And uh, I think I'm at a point now where, and I'm talking maybe a little bit slower here, kind of being a little more methodical than normal, but for the most part, I feel a lot better. I'm actually listening to what my doctors tell me. I'm taking my antibiotics. Uh, I'm taking the steroid that they gave me. Uh, I'm not going out and doing anything stupid. I mean, I missed all work, not just the podcast last week, but I took the entire week. I have two jobs actually, and I pretty much took off um, from both of them. So it was just a long week of uh, rest, relaxation, try to get myself right. I feel pretty good for the most part, maybe not a hundred percent, but you know, 85 90% that'll have to do. So anyway, back today, this won't be a long episode. Uh, I will say this though. I am going to make up for not having a podcast for 12 days, man. Now I'm fiending, man. I'm, uh, I'm fiending to get back into this and I plan on having a podcast episode pretty much every day this entire week. So you got me here solo today for, again, this is not going to be long. I'm going to be talking about, uh, this weekend with the NFL, and how it could not have been scripted any better for the Buffalo Bills. We'll head on the Sabres real quick, go around the NFL. But for the most part, like I said, solo today, not going to be long. Uh, Tuesday, the normal Tuesday full episode that I have with Joe Yurden. We're going to have tons to talk about, so that'll be Tuesday. Wednesday, I'm going to have Matt Perino, Buffalo Bills reporter, frequent guest, or frequent guest, I'm sorry, on this podcast. He's going to be with me on Wednesday. And we're going to do something different. Instead of just talking Bills, which we'll talk some Bills, I kind of want to take listeners 
uh, a peek behind the curtain. I'm interested in learning from Matt. And again, I've had him on the show so many times, but I really would like for people to understand what it's like for a beat reporter to go on the road and cover a game. I'm not just talking about hopping on a plane, showing up at the stadium, uh, watching the game and covering and reporting afterwards. I'm talking about all the little nuances that go with it. I mean, from travel arrangements to who they stay with, their process of getting to the stadium, what that's like, protocols, things like that. I just think it would be an interesting conversation. So going to do something different. So I'll have Matt on Wednesday for that. Thursday, going to have a show. Not quite sure as I record this now who the guest is going to be. And then, of course, Friday, casual Friday, I'm back with my regular guest, Aaron Quinn from Cover One. So like I said, a podcast episode coming every day this week. Can't wait. Glad to be back. Um, hopefully you guys miss me at least a little bit. It's good to be back, man. It really is. And I'll tell you, sometimes, and I'm not going to lie to you, and I've talked about this kind of openly, especially with Joe and Aaron on this podcast at various points. There comes points in time where I think you get a little bit burned out from doing something multiple times per week. You know, this is what, 508 episodes, been doing this now for close to five years, on average twice a week, sometimes a couple extra episodes, maybe sometimes a, a little bit less. But for the most part, it's been the same consistent routine for five years. And I think every now and then I get a little bit burned out from it. Like I kind of want to break. But I'll tell you, man, missing 12 days, not having a show, and then not physically being able to do it all of last week. You know, there's been times where I wanted a little bit of a mental break. This past week had nothing to do with mental stuff. This was all physical. Like, I physically couldn't do a show, and that sucked. So I started missing it again. So now I'm really, I'm excited. I don't know, again, I'm not 100% yet. I'm still trying to work up some energy. So I don't know if you can really hear it in my voice, but I promise you, I'm very excited uh, to be back and doing this. And I'm very glad that you guys are are tuning in today. Going to have some good shows coming up for you this week. Anyway, like I said, um, the Bills playing on Thursday night, that's old news. We're not going to talk about that. But it was a uh, it was a fun Sunday. You know, it was relaxing. Even coming into Sunday, I was looking forward to watching Red Zone all day and just relaxing. I still hate when the Bills play on Thursday nights. I, I, I hate it. Even though... They're very good on Thursday nights. They're literally 3-0 and this season on Thursday nights. I always, I don't know, man. I, I like having that Sunday 1 p.m. to look forward to. I've said this many times. If I had my way, the Bills would play 17 times Sunday at 1 o'clock. But anyway, that bitching aside, the silver lining when the Buffalo Bills play on Thursday night and they win is that it does make for a much less stressful and a more relaxing Sunday of just enjoying the NFL and watching the games. And this week specifically, what I thought was a pretty big week because there were some games and they were mainly later games that I thought um, were really good opportunities for the Bills. A, a chance to to move up in the standings in the conference without even having to play. And again, you could not have scripted a better day for the Buffalo Bills. At the end of the day on Sunday, the biggest winner might have been the Bills, and that was without playing a single down on Sunday because pretty much every single thing that could happen for them in a positive manner literally did on Sunday. So at the 1 p.m. games, a bunch of hodgepodge games with the exception of the New York Jets. Um, they went to Minnesota, and they lost a, a close one. I mean, they played the Vikings really tough, but at the end of the day, the Jets lose to the Vikings 27-22. Obviously, that is good for the Bills. 
It gives the Jets their fifth loss of the season, so they drop to 7-5. and five. Didn't affect the Bills in the standings, but still, uh, a rival that's on your heels, losing is a good thing. Of course, the big games and what we're pretty much talking about here were the two uh, 4 p.m. late afternoon games. A, you had the Miami Dolphins lose to the San Francisco 49ers 33-17. And we'll talk about these games at least a little bit in just a few minutes. But anyway, Miami loses to San Francisco 33-17. And the Cincinnati Bengals hold on to beat the Kansas City Chiefs 27-24. So, as we wake up today, as you are listening to this podcast, the Buffalo Bills have went from being fifth in the AFC playoff um, seating if the playoffs were to start early on Sunday morning. We're waking up Monday, and now the Buffalo Bills not only lead the AFC East again, but now, as of right now anyway, the Buffalo Bills are number one in the entire AFC. So, if the playoffs were to start today, and they most certainly do not, the Buffalo Bills would be the number one seed in the conference, and the Buffalo Bills would have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. That is something that obviously the Buffalo Bills are shooting for. And Sunday was a very, very, very good day uh, for that. So the Buffalo Bills, as of right now, control, firmly control their own destiny. All they got to do at this point is win. No more scoreboard watching. I mean, we're always going to watch the scoreboard, but at the end of the day, the Bills handle their business. Nothing else means anything. None of the other games mean a thing if the Buffalo Bills can handle their business. They're number one in the AFC, firmly control of their own uh, destiny. Now, don't get me wrong. No easy task for the Buffalo Bills. Tough games coming up starting this Sunday. That New York Jets game at home in Buffalo, which is good. It's in Buffalo. That's no gimme. It might have looked like a gimme when you look at the schedule over the summer or maybe in August, September. Not a gimme. The New York Jets are a tough football team. They beat the Buffalo Bills a few weeks ago, so you know they're tough. They played the Vikings really tough on the road. The Jets are a good team, especially with uh, Mike White, at quarterback. He's an upgrade over Zach Wilson. So you got the Jets at home. Then, of course, the big one two weeks from now, Miami at home. After that, you're at Chicago. Chicago's only got three wins this year, but they got an offense. They got Justin Fields who can make some plays. I'm not going to try to sell the game as, you know, the Bills could be in serious danger. They'd have to play bad. But, you know, beyond that, the big one, I think, which could come down to potentially the number one seed in the entire AFC, Monday Night Football, Week 17, the Bills at Cincinnati. Man, it's going to be a big game. And then, of course, they finish at home against the New England Patriots, a team that they handled on the road this past week. So you look, like I said, the Jets are no gimme, should win the game. But that Miami game and then at Cincinnati, those are the two games, folks. The Bills can run the table, but it's not going to be an easy task. As for the Miami Dolphins, who now are one game behind the Bills, although they do own at this time, uh, head-to-head advantage over the Bills. They beat them in uh, week three in Miami. But anyway, uh, they got at the, they're at the Chargers next week, which is a tough game. And then, of course, they're at Buffalo. After that, they're at home against Green Bay. Then they're at New England. And then they finish at home against the New York Jets. I think the Bills, and I mean especially, look, again, if the Bills beat Miami in two weeks, it would be very hard for the Bills to lose a division. But even if the Bills were to lose at home in two weeks, and I know we don't want to think about that, but if the Bills were to lose at home two weeks from now against Miami, 
there's still at least a chance that the Bills can finish ahead of them in the standings. They wouldn't be able to finish tied with them because Miami, of course, would win the, the tiebreaker on the basis of sweeping them. But that at the Chargers next week, I can see Miami losing that game. And then at New England, that's going to be a tough game too. Those are always tough games when Miami has to go to Foxborough. So no lock for Miami, even if they were to beat the Bills. But again, the Bills, I feel like they could pretty much put Miami away if they handle business in two weeks. Again, the big thing is right now anyway, the Bills are number one in the AFC overall. They're tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. They're both nine and three. I think for the Bills to finish first in the conference, I think the Bills are going to have to win out. And I say that because, of course, if the Bills and Kansas City finish tied, the Bills will get the tiebreaker because they beat them heads up, which is why as of right now, even though both teams are nine and three, the Bills are the number one seed. But you look at the rest of Kansas City's schedule, after losing to Cincinnati on Sunday, they're at Denver, and we all know about Denver. Then they're at Houston, and we all know about Houston. Then they're at home against Seattle. Now, Seattle's a tough team and a nice story, and Geno Smith's been great, but still, Kansas City at home in December against Seattle. Kansas City should be you know, considerably favored to win that game. Then they're at home for a second time. They're playing Denver, and then they end the season at Vegas, who's playing well, but still, Vegas has been a big disappointment this year. It's never say never in the NFL. We know that. We see every week teams lose that that should have no business losing, and it happens. I get that. But right now on paper anyway, it's hard to imagine the Chiefs losing in other games. So the Bills might have to win out. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, before, too, by the way, I'm going to get to a, a real quick break before we talk about the NFL. I want to invite everyone, if you're listening, to go – and I want you to subscribe to, I got a Substack page. I want you to subscribe to it. It is completely 100% free. This site is literally what I like to call my own personal content uh, creation playground. You can find all these podcast episodes right there. But more than that, you'll find a bunch of stuff that I love to blog about. And I said blog, not podcast, writing, blog. Love to blog about some other stuff. Uh, wing reviews movie reviews, uh, TV show reviews, power rankings of things, random thoughts, some sports stuff. Just again, things that I really enjoy scribbling about, a variety of stuff that hopefully could be informative and entertaining for you to check out. Um, I'm updating it with content on there regularly. And again, it is completely free, 100% free, no hidden charges, no telling you that something's free. And then a week later, I tell you, well, there's a free trial or any of that. No, 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 no. This shit is completely, utterly free. All you got to do is hit the subscribe button and then you put in your email address. That's it. You do that and then you get an email. Like when new content is published from the Substack, an email will get sent to you with it. You can just literally open up your re email and you can read it right on your phone or your desktop. You don't even got to go to the, to the Substack website. Literally, it's as simple as that. On the Substack, it's padmoran.substack.com. Again, that's padmoran.substack.com. Go check that out. All right, let's take a real quick break. I'm going to have some thoughts around the NFL following uh, the week right after this. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? 
Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Oddstrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, I'm back. Welcome back. Um, Again, I'm still trying to, it's funny, as I'm welcoming you back. And again, we're doing this in one shoot, man. I am not editing this. This is going to be raw, warts and all today. I could kind of feel it coming up <laughs> in my chest a little bit. You could hear that a little bit. But anyway, glad to have you back. Um, Again, don't forget tomorrow, Joe Yurden will be on the show. Real quick, and just a couple thoughts around the NFL following this past weekend. We'll start with Miami, San Francisco. I'll tell you what. I don't want to. I don't want to sound like a a Bills fan who, who's a hater of Tua because that's not true at all. If you've been listening to this show for a while, if you're not new, this goes back to before the even season even started when Bills fans were talking like Tua was the worst quarterback. Not all Bills fans. So let me be careful. There were a percentage of Bills fans that were just dismissing Tua like he was trash before the season even started. And I said, "Listen, man, this kid's a good player. He's not." You know, he's not Josh Allen, he's not Patrick Mahomes, but he also isn't Josh Rosen either. The kid can play football. So I've I've been pro Tua since before the season even started, if I'm being objective, fair, and unbiased here. I think he's been pretty good this year, but at the same token, I also think he's been a little bit lucky 
this season. I've watched a lot of Miami football for obvious reasons, even going back to last week when they kind of, not kind of, they easily handled the Houston Texans. And two, his stats look great. But I remember watching the game and saying to myself, man, this kid should have been picked off like three times and Houston just couldn't make plays. So he's been getting a little bit on the lucky side. Like as good as two has been, he throws a lot of interceptable passes. He takes a lot of chances and there's been mistakes out there to be made that he gets away with. Anyway, that luck ran out on Sunday. That luck ran out on Sunday because Tua was very bad in that game. Not on the first pass. What a weird game, by the way. First play of the game, 75-yard touchdown pass. Bam, Miami's up 7-0. And again, you're a Bills fan watching this. You have a strong, emotional, invested, rooting interest in this game. And then just a normal game on the NFL slate. You're investing in this game almost like it's a Bills game, you know? So anyway, 7-0 Miami. Briscoe gets the ball. First series. Jimmy G gets hurt. And not only, by the way, did he get hurt. Foot's broke. Surgery. He's done for the season. So anyway, no Jimmy G. Miami's already up 7-0. You go, well, there goes that. Well, like I said, Tua's luck ran out on Sunday. He threw two interceptions. He lost a fumble that was returned for a TD, although that was late and the game was pretty much out of hand. But anyway, I think this is something that's been brewing. Miami Dolphins are a good football team. I think talent-wise on that roster, they're almost as good as the Buffalo Bills, and I know people hate hearing that. The difference, the big difference is that quarterback. Josh Allen is elite and Tua is not. Although Tua has been playing at an elite level for most of the season. So that's why I think the the, the bridge was gap between these, uh, or the gap was, I should say bridge. I got, I got that completely wrong. I'm losing my mind here. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. I think Miami is right there with the Bills in terms of 1-53 to 53 on the roster. I think the difference has been quarterback. And we saw that on Sunday. Tua just did not play well. Simple as that. San Francisco played really well. Defense played great. Got a lot of balance. I don't know how far they're going to go for the season with Brock Purdy as a quarterback, although Brock Purdy looked pretty damn good against Miami. A tough break for uh, San Francisco with Jimmy G being done for the year. But anyway, a big loss for Miami and Tua's luck all uh, ran out. Circling back to that Jets-Vikings game. I tell you what, I again, I think the Jets are pretty impressive. Mike White, 31-57, 369 yards. Two big interceptions, though, and that was a difference. Um, Garrett Wilson had eight catches for 162 yards. That dude is a stud. We saw that a couple weeks ago when the Bills played uh, the Jets. I Look, the Bills are going to be, I don't, I, I don't have the lines in front of me. I don't know what they are. The Bills should handle the Jets. I'm just telling you that the Jets are not pushovers. They have a, a talented football team. And I think Mike White is is better than Zach Wilson. The Bills will have to put in their work this week. Lot to prepare for, and I think they will. But I'm just saying the Jets were impressive. And I'll tell you, man, they came. They should have won that game in Minnesota. I don't think Minnesota two lost team. We saw it in Buffalo. I mean, they they beat the Bills, of course, but uh, I don't think Minnesota is that good. But I do think the Jets are pretty impressive. I'll tell you, getting off. Uh, Getting off the rails here a little bit, but the Jets in 2023, if they get a quarterback, which is ironic because I was thinking Jimmy G would be a great gap quarterback for the Jets with the young, talented roster that they have next year, because I don't think Zach Wilson is ever going to work out. I think he's pretty much done. But anyway, Jets could have won that game. I think they're going to be a good test for the Bills next week. Uh, the Bengals beating Kansas City. Look, the Bengals are for real. And I'll tell you what, they have Kansas City's number. 
I know this is going to sound crazy to say, but if I'm the Chiefs, I think right now, if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs or I'm a Chiefs fan, and you gave me my choice, I think I would prefer to play Buffalo in the playoffs over Kansas or over Cincinnati. It's crazy as that is. The Bengals clearly have Kansas City's number right now. They play them tough. They play them physical. Joey Burrow plays as well as Patrick Mahomes when they play each other. And they did this without Mixon on Sunday. Panini was really good, too, by the way. Joey Burrow, man, 25-31, 286 yards, three touchdowns. No Mixon, no problem. Mahomes pretty good, 16-27, 223 and a touchdown. But he wasn't dominant. He didn't have that dominant aura about him. I don't know, it's, the Cincinnati defenders just seemed to make plays against him in the second half. So anyway, that went really, really well for the Bills. Although now with Cincinnati with four losses, that might be, uh, you know, if they went out before they play the Bills in week 17, that Cincinnati-Buffalo game, that could end up being for all the marbles in the AFC. Who knows? Uh, the Raiders got back on track. Actually, they won three in a row now. They beat the Chargers 27-20. Uh, the Raiders are up to 5-7. and seven. They're making a little bit of a late run, but uh, I still think the damage might be done. Chargers 6-6. Six and six, They're going nowhere fast. Offensive line can't block anyone. I'll tell you, I looked at that roster before the season started, and I thought they would be in the mix to be the best team in, uh, in the NFL, and obviously that has not materialized. Uh, Seattle beat the Rams 27-23. Geno Smith, 367 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Seattle 75 on the season. I'll tell you what, if you haven't put Geno Smith in your MVP conversation, at least the conversation right now, shame on you because he should be there. It's Geno Smith. It's Jalen Hurts. It's Patrick Mahomes. Even though he played like shit on Sunday, Tua is at least on the fringe of that conversation and he could play his way back in there. Ditto with Josh Allen, by the way. But Geno Smith deserves to be in any NFL MVP conversation. Um, the Cleveland Browns beat the Houston Texans 27-14. Deshaun Watson's first game back, he sucked. 12 of 22, 131 yards, an interception. I start, I, I don't really, I hate talking about fantasy football on this podcast, but I do have to say this. I started him and that was stupid. I thought maybe coming back to Houston, his old team, we all hate Deshaun Watson. What better way for him to stick it in everyone's ass who hates him by going out and having a monster game against his former team. That's what I was thinking anyway. So that didn't happen, which is funny because I was thinking with fantasy football, I also went against the Cleveland Browns defense. And of course, the Cleveland Browns defense scored not one, but two defensive touchdowns and a special team touchdown. The defense had like fucking 30 points. Just absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, though, I'm not impressed with Deshaun. I'm not impressed with Cleveland at all. They beat Houston. Houston's horrible. So I don't care. It doesn't matter. Uh, Baltimore beat Denver 10-9. Big story in that game. Lamar Jackson, knee injury. Don't know the extent at this time. The Ravens are 8-4, but to me, they're an unimpressive 8-4. And, and as for Denver, man, such a tire fire. How does Nate Hackett survive this? I don't even know what to say about Russ Wilson anymore. Um, you know, I can't put it all on him, but you only score nine points in a game that you're playing a backup quarterback pretty much the entire game. You can't win that. I don't know. I feel like if I was Denver, I'd get rid of Nate Hackett right now. Like today, when you're listening to this podcast, they should be firing their head coach. Get someone else in there, a fresh set of eyes for the last month of this season and see if maybe he's the problem. Maybe someone else being in here, maybe that will do something. They got to find a way to try to make Russ Wilson work because they're stuck with him for at least another year or two. Nate Hackett's clearly not the answer. He's in over his head. 
with Denver. Get rid of him now. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles remain the best team in the NFL, certainly record-wise right now. They pounded the Tennessee Titans 35-10. Phillies for real. I mean, there are no frauds. But speaking of frauds, I think Tennessee is a fraud. They're 7-5, but I don't buy them being a, a good team at all. Uh, we talked MVP and Geno Smith being in the conversation. If you're going to put Geno in the conversation, I think you need to put, at least right now, as of today, Jalen Hurts might be at the top of that conversation. He was 29 of 39, 380 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, I think he's probably the NFL uh, MVP front runner right now. And what an addition A.J. Brown has been to that team and that offense, man. Whew. Uh, a couple more. Washington, the Giants, they tied 2020. I'm sure that'll matter later on in the season. I really don't care right now. Props over to uh, former Buffalo Bill Isaiah Hodgins on getting his first career NFL TD. That was really cool. And I'm sure a lot of his uh, former teammates in Buffalo were cheering that on. Uh, the Lions beat the Jags. The Packers beat the Bears. What else is new there? Pittsburgh beat Atlanta. I was like, eh. all right. But all in all, like I said, a, a good week of uh, NFL football, an exciting week. And from the Buffalo Bills perspective, like I said, you just... You couldn't have scripted it any better. The Buffalo Bills hold all the cards now. All the cards are in their hands, and uh, it's, it's it's in their control. All the, they, they control their own destiny, and uh, we'll see what happens. Again, big game coming up this week with the Jets. We'll talk plenty about it this week. Before I get out of here, real quick, and look, man, I don't have notes in front of me. I'm just going to be honest with you all for listening. If you're still listening at this point, I got no notes in front of me. I didn't even know until about a half hour ago if I was going to be able to do this show. I figured I might wait until Tuesday and start fresh with Joe. But like I said, I've missed this so much. I just got some things that I wanted to get off my chest. So I'm kind of just rolling with the punches and looking at a few things here. So if I'm messing up and my phrasing isn't great, um, I'm sorry. Anyway, the Buffalo Sabres too on Sunday night. Uh, you want to talk about a nice way to cap off a really good day for Buffalo sports fans, the Sabres beat the San Jose Sharks on Sunday night at the Key Bank Center, 6-3. Jack Quinn scored twice. Tage Thompson scored. Of course, Tage Thompson scored. Uh, J.J. Baturka lit the lamp. Jeff Skinner scored. Alex Tuck also scored. Pretty much all the usual suspects. When you think of the Buffalo Sabres and pretty much anything positive, those are the guys that you think of. And of course, Rasmus Dahlin as well. Like I said, just a, a great nightcap to a great Buffalo sports week. And when it comes to the Sabres, well, uh, I, I guess it's how you want to approach it. Is the glass half full or is the glass half empty? If you want to take the glasses half full approach, uh, the Sabres with this one tonight, Sunday night as I taped this, they've now won two of their last three. Uh, Tage Thompson just he continues to be remarkable. He's got 16 goals now, 34 points on the season. One of, he is, he's become one of the best players in the entire NHL. He is a human highlight reel. Forget the local media or local fans. You could go on Twitter almost any night the Sabres play, and he's going to do something that has these national analysts losing their minds, retweeting out gifts and videos. It's so much fun to see this guy become a superstar with the Buffalo Sabres. And that's literally what he's become a superstar. Uh, Rasmus Dahlin, he had two assists on Sunday. He's got 21 assists. He's got 29 points in 25 games. I think I read that he's on pace for like 90-something points, which, by the way, the all-time Sabres record for 
points by a defenseman in the single season in franchise history is Phil Housley, who has like 81 or 82. So if Rasmus can stay healthy, he's on pace to obliterate that. And speaking of obliterated, I don't know, I can't remember who it was on Sunday, but he lit someone up on the ice. This ain't some pretty boy dude who's just, uh, you know, throwing out dimes out there and putting pucks in that. This guy is playing physical. He's getting into confrontations. He's laying people out on the ice. Rasmus Dahlin is a legit, true all-star and world-class defenseman right now for the Sabres. Um, Alex Tuck is playing really well. He's up to 12 goals and 24 points. We talked about Jeff Skinner. He's up to 12 goals as well. He's up to 27 points. Like I said, these have been the guys pretty much all year, and you could add Jack Quinn and J.J. Paterka and Dylan Cousins to the mix. This young core is looking really good. If you want to look at the glass half full, there you go right there. If you want to look at the glass half empty, if you're a pessimist, if you're not sold on this team whatsoever, which to be fair, after all these years of false promises and starts and stops, if you do add that glass half empty approach until they do something that's sustained, that's fair. I don't have any problem with you and having that mindset. But anyway, glass half empty. Look, the Sabres are 3-11 in their last 14 games. They had a seven-game losing streak that pretty much buried them. Are they going to be fun to watch this season throughout the year? Yeah, I think so. Are they going to be reasonably competitive throughout this season? Yes, I think so. But if you want to be realistic, we're just getting started with Christmas shopping and it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that the Buffalo Sabres are going to legitimately contend for a playoff spot this season, let alone you know, a Stanley Cup. That's just the reality. That's the truth. 3-11 in their last 14, that's not good. Um, Goaltending. So Comrie gets hurt. UPL gets called up. We're ready to get a long, long look at UPL. And I'll tell you, folks, there's lots of variables. I get that. When a goalie puts up bad numbers... It's not usually just the goalie. There's lots of factors. Uh, the forwards aren't back-checking. The defense is playing poor. They're taking too many penalties. Lots of uh, the who the opponent is. There's lots of excuses and variables. I get that. But I can tell you right now, throw that all aside. UPL, to me, and this is just my personal opinion. I look forward to talking to Joe Yurin about this on tomorrow's show, by the way. But UPL, he ain't it, man. He's not going to be the answer in that. At best, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. I think he's in number two at best. And I'm starting to think that's his ceiling. And I, I don't know what his stats are after Sunday's game. I think he had like a 4.22 goals against. And again, that could be misleading, but this guy just doesn't make a lot of saves. I, I don't like him. I don't like the way he's playing. I, I don't like the way some players are playing in front of him either. So it's not entirely on him. I just look at him and I don't think he's the answer. Devin Levi hopefully is going to be the answer. Maybe Comrie's the guy that could be that number two in the future. I just, I do not see it with UPL at this point. And I don't know how much time and how many starts he should get in that before we realize that he's just not going to be the answer. So that's a glass half empty case. And then the other one is pretty much whoever plays with Casey Middlestat and Victor Olofsson at this point, it's been awful. That line, those two on a line with whoever, you want to call them the third line, the fourth line, I really don't give a shit what you call them. But five on five, especially, it's awful. And I'm no analytic guy. I'm no advanced stack guy. I don't have any fancy charts and graphs and, and goal likelihood percentages and all this stuff that, I, quite frankly, I, I don't understand really well, which, to be fair, I should make a better effort to understand because it is very useful information 
Um, but look, I don't even without knowing any of that stuff. I have a I have a set of eyeballs and I watch the games. And Casey Middlestat is playing terrible, and Olsen's not playing well, especially five on five. That whoever's on that line with them, they are a straight up liability pretty much every night. Uh, it seems to me like the Sabers, if if they want to get good over the next year, two, three years, whatever the, the priorities are. And again, they need to find a, a good, consistent goalie, which hopefully they do have in the in the uh, in the system right now with Devin Levi, and we'll start to find out in the next year or two. Um, they need to add at least one quality blue liner to go with like Power and Darlene and, and Samuelson. They're gonna still they need another good top four defenseman, I think. And then they pretty much need to throw that line out, man. Get, find a way, trade Middlestad or and Olsen, whatever. They need to get a better. Entire line. I love the young kids line with cousins center in it. Obviously, their top line's great. I'm good with the checking line, the fourth line. They need an entire new third line. It's just, uh, it's not fun to look at. Anyway, all right, that is going to do it for this episode of Talk About Flow podcast. Again, I apologize. I've kind of been all over the place here. No scripts, no real notes. Um, kind of working my voice back into into playing shape here so i appreciate you sticking with me um hopefully i get better each day here and like i said i will be back regular tuesday episode joe yurden tomorrow we're gonna have plenty to talk about thank you guys again very very much i'll be back talk to you tomorrow